Thank you, Elder Lynn, for that anointed, eloquent opening as I ask the congregation to rise as we say this prayer. Let us lift our hearts, our voices, and our eyes, our spiritual eyes unto the Lord Jesus Christ so that he knows how much that we appreciate being in the house of God this morning. How we appreciate the opportunity to be in the midst of his myriad of angels, to be before the throne of God and here at the golden altar of incense and answered prayer, to hear the word of God that is meat to our bones and to receive a powerful anointing that's going to strengthen us to be all that he has called us to be. We want to thank you, Father. We love you so much. We owe you so much. We thank you for never giving up on us as we will never, ever give up on ourselves because we know, Father, that you are not finished with us yet, that you are definitely using us to bring to pass the awesome book of the Revelation, which we will continue to read about and learn about today. So, Father, have your way, the way that only you can, which will bless every person in this church and everyone who hears our podcast. We believe God for the victory, for the blessings. It is a privilege and an honor to be gathered here today. We say these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and together this humble but powerful church says, Amen and Amen. Beautiful children of God, you may be seated. It is a pleasure to have all of you sitting here this morning, not only for myself and the elders who welcome all of you, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the one day that we take time to put everything else aside and put our Lord Jesus Christ first. Amen. It is a time where we can be with him but right before his magnificent golden altar. As Elder Lynn said, we've had a beautiful week and we have another beautiful week to come. And I was very happy that she spoke about that. Why? Because we should not take that for granted. We understand the day and age that we are living in today. And we understand that soon everything is not going to be bright and beautiful. Everything's not going to be the way it is today. We can see it getting worse every day. We have been studying the awesome book of the Revelation. Two weeks ago, we read through the book of the Revelation. And then I brought a message to you from Isaiah 23 verses, excuse me, 24 verses 1 through 23. And so I want to continue my message this morning by continuing on what I've been speaking about. And that specifically is about the fact that no date for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ has been set in the Bible. And I remember telling you last week that, you know, many on earth try to set a date because they look at the signs of the times, 
They see the, the plagues that the book of the Revelation talks about happening all around us. They hear about asteroids that we just heard about, meteors and, and other things happening that could easily cause the end of the world. Yes? Forces of nature that could easily cause the end of the world. But we as Christians understand only God can cause the end of the world. It's not nature. It's not global warming. It's not aliens. It is God himself. God himself announces judgment to the world. That's not something that we're guessing. We know this for a fact. But we ended my beautiful message last week by reminding us. Thus saith the Lord, I will not leave you comfortless. Though no man knows the time, exact time or hour or date, our Lord Jesus Christ will prepare his people and they will know his coming. Why hasn't the Lord completed the awesome book of the Revelation? Another awesome blessing that we read in his word. For the reason that he's not finished with us yet. He is the potter. We are the clay. Amen. And he is molding us not only into better Christians, he is molding us into Melchizedek kingdom priest, children of the most high God. Listen, he's not looking for people with money or education. He's not looking for people who's got a great job. He doesn't care where we live. He is here to save those who want to be saved. He is here for those who come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Isaiah that when he comes, that everything will be desolate. There's going to be ruin all over the world. The whole world, remember we talked about last week, is going to be affected. The whole world. None on this earth is going to escape it. So what does that mean? What kind of hope does the Christian have? This is our hope. The promise of God that says, Hurt not mine anointed ones and do them no harm. We understand that through it all, the word of God says that we will be happy and we will rejoice in the Lord because we will not be hurt by the ruin or devastation of God that will come to this earth. The word of God teaches us in the book of the Revelation, chapter 6, verses 12 through 17, that John says in the Revelation to the judgments to come, and I quote, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made out of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. 
And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. Verse 14, and the sky receded like a scroll rolling up an every mountain. An island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they called to the mountains and rocks and said, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17, For the great day of their wrath has come. Let me repeat that. The great day of their wrath. Whose wrath? Their wrath has come. And who can stand? You see, most of the inhabitants of the world, it tells you, in verse 6, gets burnt up. We see that happening today in California. And that's the reason why so many Bible scholars or people who want to predict the end of the world is saying that it's going to end very soon because of the fires that they see. But listen as I continue to tell you that in verse 6, uh, excuse me, let's go to uh, 2 Peter 3, 5 through 7. Peter says this, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's words, the heavens existed. The earth was formed out of water, yes, and by water. By the waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. Verse 7, by the same word, listen, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The peoples of the world will finally put away their party gear in verses 8 through 9. A giant series of earthquakes will hit that will devastate the cities of the entire world. It says that in Revelation 16, 17 through 21, John says, and I quote, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done, unquote. Verse 18, and there came flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake, verse 19, that the city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Verse 20, Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. Verse 21, from the sky, huge hailstones. Huge what? Hailstones. We read about those already in the newspaper. We've heard about that on YouTube and on Twitter and on Facebook. Huge hailstones. But listen to this, about 100 pounds. 
So they say, well, Reverend Rena, that has happened. It hasn't. The ones that have fallen from the sky were about a pound or so, and that's big. What does the word of God tell you here? About a hundred pounds each that fell on man. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. I'm almost there, my friends. The very sun and moon will be affected, according to verse 23. Revelation 6, 12, 8, 12, 22, 5. And Matthew 24, 29 continues to tell us that God will punish not only those on earth, but also the angels who rebelled against him. It tells you that in verses 21 and 22. Second Peter 2 and Revelation 20, 1 through 8, which I don't have time to read. Next week, I will have all those scriptures printed out for you. For the most part, my friends, as I close my message this morning, it goes on to tell you, and this is the most important part, people will not repent. Imagine that. After all of that, even after the seven seals and the seven vials, people will not repent. Instead, they curse God. It tells you in Revelation 16, 8, 9, quote, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared from intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over those plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. Listen to me. Shouldn't they be on their knees? Shouldn't they be crying and weeping and praying before the altar? Shouldn't they be asking God to forgive them of anything they've done wrong, of any unrighteousness? Shouldn't that be the time they make peace with their maker? But no, my friends, according to the word of God, they continue to curse him. Why would you curse a God who has spent thousands of years trying to warn people about who he is? and how the people on earth should be. Not only did his prophets go out to the world and warn the people of the last days, not only his apostles went out to warn the people, but God poured out his Holy Spirit. And it says, and the seven spirits of God were poured out upon all the earth. And the word of God says, he who has an ear, hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. So then why, when John the Baptist came to warn the people, did they continue to curse God? Why, when Jesus himself came to the earth to warn the people about the 
what danger they would be in if they did not get right with God? Why did they continue to curse God? Why? When God told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth and Noah tried to warn the people, why did they mock Noah when he was building that ark rather than getting on their knees and begging God to forgive them for their sins? Why? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, and I quote, We implore you, Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God, children of God. And we ought to deliver this message confidently, boldly, with concern, with love, so that others will not perish in their sins. Why is God going to judge the world? Because in 2 Peter 2, 3, Peter says this of the wicked, and I quote, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, unquote. In Isaiah 24, 5 through 6, we are clearly told why God is going to judge the world. It says, and I quote, the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Brothers and sisters in Christ, where are the people that fear God? Where are the people that fear God, that fear sin enough to conquer it? Where are the people that love God so much that they can prove it and they can walk their talk? Where are those people? God is God and he will not change. He sits on the throne and says, I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What is the problem with God's people today? I'll tell you what it is. It's having Google at our fingertips. It's having Twitter, Facebook, all those things at our fingertips, okay? People don't need the wisdom of God. All they need is the wisdom of Google. Seriously. They don't have to pray and ask God what's going on in the world. All they gotta do is pull up Twitter. Everybody wants everybody to know about their life. How they do it is beyond me. Their whole life is on Facebook. You can know everything about them. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The worst thing that is happening in the world today, and this is why it is worse than ever before, besides a corrupt government, and I don't want to go there, besides the fact that they're trying to get a one world order, and that one world won't come from America, 
So you understand that there's a one world order. It's not gonna be freedom. You understand that, right? It's because of shows that's on TV, things that are on YouTube and Facebook. Listen, every 10 minutes, some kind of news, or even less, maybe every minute, some kind of news is coming on your phone. It tells you about how this man murdered his wife and his children, okay? It tells you about all the bad things that's going on in the world. Does our government not understand that it's monkey see, monkey do here in America? All of this stuff is just putting fire in the fuel and fuel in the fire. All of these bad people just want to copy what other bad people are doing. We've never, ever in our lives in the past heard about as much as we hear today. Oh, so-and-so this, oh, this mother, she killed her child. Oh, this big movie star just left their wife. It doesn't matter anymore. Our children live in a world where it's okay. It's part of life, my friends. These women who don't cook anymore, they don't clean anymore, they don't want to watch their kids anymore. They want to be like the Kardashians. Think about it. Think about it. That's what the world is becoming today. Every 10 minutes you don't hear something about God. Every 10 minutes, you don't have a scripture coming to you about God. Every 10 minutes, you don't hear about what God is doing in the world. Because if there was, I think more people would come to God. But that's the kind of world we live in. So where does that leave us, my friends? These three questions that Jesus said to Peter. Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, yes, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. He looked at Peter a second time and said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I do. Then Jesus said, then tend to my sheep. Then Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, do you really love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I do. You know everything about me. You know that I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep or feed my lambs, depending on what version you're reading. But you don't see that on Facebook or Twitter or on Google or on TV. You just don't see that, my friends. There's only one place you're gonna see and hear about that, and that's in God's church. Amen. 
from God's people. That's why we as Christians must make every effort, I will say that again, make every effort to bring them into the churches. We must, if we love Jesus, three times I beseech you, feed my sheep, saith the Lord. Bring them to the throne of God. And then, once his sheep have come in, then the book of the Revelation. And only then can the book of the Revelation be fulfilled. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen and amen. Anoint you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that that wall of fire will stay with you all the days of your life. Praise be to our God. Hallelujah.